Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Creating Wellness from Within. Today, I am chatting with Cindy Lewis about how she overcame two tick bites and how she's using her experience to create programs to help others, such as breathing for troubled breathers. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we will strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you with your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Yoga and Life magazine and the Brain Health magazine. Additionally, I've published four books on the topic of brain injury and concussion, and I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Cindy Lewis, and Cindy discovered her passion for practicing yoga at the young age of 12. She has been working prana for over 20 years, and she has taught over 5,000 classes and has over 2,000 hours of training. She is an IAYT certified yoga therapist, a yoga medicine teacher, and a yoga psychology teacher. With her extensive training, she guides her students through various exercises to help them overcome their personal challenges and improve their overall health. So welcome to the podcast, Cindy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me, Amy. It's it's a pleasure. <laughs> you know, I think today's topic of, you know, just discussing these tick bites that you've had in your life and um, how they've, you know, just changed the trajectory of what you do in your life. Um, and I just think this is such a timely topic. Um, so many people are struggling with after effects of tick bites and it's so misunderstood in the medical community. And, you know, there's definitely some doctors out there who truly get it and are helping people, but it's really up to us to take it into our own hands and find those providers and find the information and the tools to help ourselves. So thank you for being here and sharing your story. I'm excited to um, just jump in and, and hear how transformative this has been for you. Thank you, Amy. It, it really has been an incredible journey. And my personal journey started at the age of seven. Um, when I was seven years old, I, I went on a trip with my family and we went over to Texas and we were on the East coast of Texas in Corpus Christi area. And we were looking at horses and cows and things like that. And I ended up getting bit by a couple ticks on my head. And the reason it stood out for me because they got really big and my sisters, of course, gave me a hard time about it. And being one of four children and I got a lot of harassment <laughs> and something that really stuck out. But over the years after that, I started having a lot of issues, breathing issues, asthma, things that were interesting. Um, allergies started developing. I, I found myself having all kinds of interesting symptoms. And my dad was like at a loss. He couldn't figure out what was going on with me as a small child having all these problems. And every time I got near the horses and stuff, I'd start like wheezing. It was just painful. And we owned 15 horses in our backyard and I was responsible for feeding them. So you could imagine how that went. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 
as I'm going through my life and I, I, I'm going through this process, my dad, who's a doctor, would always say, it's not, it's not asthma. It doesn't fit. He didn't understand what it was, but he knew it wasn't that. And my mom would argue with him, just give her the asthma medicine and they get into these big fights. And then as I got older, I um, went out into the medical world by myself and doctors would prescribe me asthma medicine. And they'd get mad at me and yell at me because the asthma medicine wasn't working or they were sure I wasn't taking it because, well, it wasn't doing what they wanted it to do. And then it's 30 years later that I um, went to an endocrinologist's office and the endocrinologist was trying to figure out what was going on with me. And he did this uh, test to check if I was allergic to bovine. And lo and behold, it came back positive. And I, of course, did not believe them at all. I'm like, that is not possible. I eat meat. I'm a meat eater. I eat it all the time. This is the way I live. This is not possible. There's no such thing. Then I went out in... um, went to my doctor and told her what he said. And she goes, well, let's test it. Mm-hmm. So she tested it in my office and fl- went into full anaphylaxis. I had the whole thing, couldn't breathe, wheezing, swollen mouth, tongue, lips, everything. And I, I have been eating meat three times a day for most of my life. Mm-hmm. So I was chronically swollen and I didn't know what it was coming from my symptoms were really mixed up though. And she was researching and figuring out and what she found out when she really tested me and figured it out is number one, I did have the allergy to me, although I did not accept it when she, she diagnosed me and I did have Lyme's disease that she knew how to treat. Although many doctors at the time, when I went through this treatment, were getting their licenses revoked or getting disbarred from the medical community at the time for treating anybody with Lyme's disease, saying it wasn't a thing. So back then it was really controversial Mm -hmm. and it was a thing. So I got diagnosed by Dr. Ambrose. My, well, I probably shouldn't say that, but I got diagnosed with Lyme's disease and I got diagnosed with um, alpha gals but she called it a meat allergy at the time. This was in 2000, um, 2005. It didn't get acknowledged by the CDC until I think it was 2007 or 2008 that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So it happened a little. Yeah. And, you know, even now it's, it's still a bit of a mystery. And I know I had a friend, um, she had a tick bite and she had severe reactions to eating meat. Um, I don't know if it was just bovine or if it was any meat, but, um, like she would just like get vomiting sick right after eating it. So for her, it was, it was pretty easy to make that connection. It wasn't delayed at all. It was much more immediate. Um, (laughs) But it took a while for doctors to make that connection that it was from the tick bite. Um, And after, I think she said it was like 
two years went by and then now she can eat meat again. Um, it was like a strange reaction. Like it must've just gotten out of her system. Um, but you know, everybody is so different. Like no two people are going to react to things the same way. So, you know, I think that's part of the challenge in the medical world. It is, it is. The, the thing that I have found with all of this is finding out that I was allergic to meat. It was like day and night. When I gave up the meat, my quality of life transformed. It was crazy. I spent years in hospitals two, three times a year doing the whole process of opening your lung with a nebulizer and doing all these treatments constantly. Um, and it was a, a challenge. And then when I gave up the meat, it was like, oh, <laughs> the sun shines, everything looks beautiful, everything changed. The other thing that happened is I also went through the Lyme's disease treatment at the time, which was kind of like killing everything in your body. Yeah. I went through the more natural um, with herbs treatment, and it took me two years. But I have been clean ever since. I haven't shown any symptoms of Lyme's disease. And it has been, I think it's been 15 years since I went through that treatment. Huge, huge changes in my body since that happened. Are you able to eat meat now or no? Or do you not even try? You know, the thing is, is because I was undiagnosed for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I did that to my body, my body, by the time I was diagnosed, my body was reactive to everything. I mean, I couldn't eat peaches, I couldn't eat plums, I couldn't eat apples, raw apples, things, everything, my body was reactive to everything, my lips would swell up, it felt like there was a pin cushion in my mouth. Every time I tried to eat even celery, or cucumbers. I mean, all these things, it got to the point where I was so frustrated and I was sitting there going, it's just too hard to eat. (laughs) And it was, it was like, I don't want to eat. It's just too much. It's painful. It's all these things. And then I went to this doctor and she started testing. Okay. What can you have? What can't you have? And she took everything out of my diet. And then it was amazing because all of a sudden, everything cleared up. Right before I got this test, I had been to, like I mentioned before, an endocrinologist. That endocrinologist had put me on uh, the thyroid pill because mm. I have both thyroid. And when I was on that that pill, it was uh, it has meat in it. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. And when I took that pill it caused uh, um, a lot of problems in my body. When, um, when I finally cleaned my system out is when my intestines were so out of control. They were so bad. The inflammation was so bad. My stools were pencil thin and the surgeon went in to try to fix that. And after he went in there and he said it was a mess. Wow. And he said it was the hardest surgery he had ever done. And he felt like he was sewing blind, trying to get, stop the bleeding. Everything was a mess. And when I came out of that surgery, he gave me a diet and he said, 
All I want you to eat, flaxseed, blueberries, and bananas. Don't eat anything else. And you want your, your flaxseed really ground. So, you know, going to the bathroom after that surgery was not fun. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there trying to do this thing and I'm like, uh-uh. I'm not trying that other food until I can go to the bathroom with no pain. That took me over a month. I was only supposed to be on that diet for two weeks because I stayed on that diet for over a month. And I have to tell you, I was overweight. I was having a lot of inflammation in my body. I had a lot of things going on, but I didn't realize what it was stemming from. But when Mm -hmm. I, I was on that for a little while, everything started to clear up. My allergies started to clear up. All of a sudden, I wasn't allergic to apples anymore. I wasn't allergic to the fruit. All the fruits started coming back, backwards. All of a sudden, I could eat the things that had been the last thing. You know, it it all left in a certain order. It came back in the opposite order. So, and it was amazing to receive that. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Why is it so different? you know, this surgery changed my life. And then I realized it wasn't the surgery. It was (laughs) limiting my intake and starting to notice that food has an effect on your life. And it's until you realize how much food impacts you and you start to realize food is medicine. It truly can transform your whole being and change lives And since I learned that lesson, since I went through that process, I've been going around and doing my work and helping people with yoga therapy, which is basically looking at a whole life and seeing, okay, what works, what doesn't? Taking an outside perspective, a little peek into somebody's life and saying, okay, you tell me what's going on and let me see how I can help and seeing these things. And it has been transformational, taking my journey and helping other people come to theirs with this realizing that food is medicine, that um, Lyme's disease and alpha-gal are out there and may have a big impact Mm -hmm. on you. And that by keeping away from the things that are giving you trouble, how you can transform your life to the point where you don't feel... I mean, I never felt, I was so tired. Let me say this. I was so tired of all the reactions my body had from the food and from the things that the urge to eat wasn't there anymore. I was afraid to take a bite. Yeah, I, I never knew what, what happened. Mm-hmm. And it, it changed. It evolved into this thing where now I'm sitting here in this place and seeing this whole transformation happen and going, you know, it's all about what you put in your body, what you put on your skin, what you put on your body, what you wash your hair with, what you breathe in the fragrances that you put in your room, starting to realize all these different things that put into your body and realizing that your whole life can transform. And not only that, Since I switched my diet, since I changed my diet, my food bill has gone down dramatically. (laughs) And I enjoy 
my food now. But of course, I've gone through a couple steps through this process. I went through a 21-day water-only fast to help clean my system out, which was incredibly healing because um, it is transformational. I've also um, discovered that, that you can have a better quality of life by taking care of these things. And no matter what situation you're in with these people or going out to these different events and, and being social, you start to realize who the people you truly want to hang out with are because there's a whole social aspect of this. And Mm -hmm. you start to realize how you can be your own person and stand in your truth and grow. And as you start to do that, you create your own community and you create a new life. Yeah. You know, I think there, I'm sure there's people listening right now that are having some aha moments and you know, when you talk about Lyme disease and the lack of understanding and awareness, um, you know, I have a friend who recently was diagnosed, um, like maybe three years ago, um, but she essentially missed an entire year of work and she kept having test after test that came back negative. And so I'm curious if you have any insight on this. Um, cause I, I heard that, that false negatives are quite common. Um, mm-hmm. And you can still definitely have the disease and be testing negative for it. So the testing um, isn't foolproof. (laughs) And if you have all the symptoms, you know, you need to be a little more of an advocate for yourself. And, you know, I mean, we've been so conditioned to just blindly trust our doctors our whole lives. We've been told doctors know best, listen to your doctor. And I mean, they just, they don't know everything and not every doctor can know everything about everything. Um, so you really do have to seek out a doctor who really focuses on Lyme disease and how, um, to treat it and help patients. So I'm curious, you know, what your insight on any of that is. Well, first of all, my dad was a doctor. Mm-hmm. So being raised with the doctor and seeing him, his rule of thumb was, if the doctor thinks he knows everything, go to someone else. That's great advice. <laughs> <laughs> because think about this. What do you think people are going to look back at when they look at us a hundred years from now and they look at our medical practice? What do you think they're going to look back at and going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. Mm-hmm. You know, those things happen a hundred years before now. We look back and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. Where is this mindset that all of a sudden, oh, they know everything. That's, that's just not the right. case. Mm-hmm. This is an evolving practice. And you have to remember that they're even finding new glands. What was the new glands that they found in the back of the throat? They were doing cancer radiation treatments, but they were radiating the glands, but they didn't know there were glands there. So they were causing their, their clients to have more trouble because they know radiation has a bad effect on glands. And they discovered these new glands that are higher up, but that was just discovered. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. we in the evolution process. Yeah. Doctors only know what they know 
and they do the best they can and they don't know everything. So you also can't be yelling at them because they don't know because they're doing the best they can. But (laughs) at the same time, (laughs) go ahead. At the same time, doctors who act like they know everything and then treat you really bad. I have this perfect Mm -hmm. little antidote from my daughter. So my daughter, I think she was five or six years old at the time. We had been in a car accident and the seatbelt had squashed her trachea. She went in for a swallow test and the doctor couldn't figure out what was going on with her. We went to meet this ear, nose and throat doctor and the doctor looked at me, ignored my daughter completely and said, I think it's all in her head. My daughter stood up on the table, put her hands on her hips and said, you're a very bad doctor. It is not in my head. I love that. (laughs) We left and we never saw that doctor again. Yeah. But it was only because, again, I was raised by a doctor. I taught my daughter to trust her feelings. And she stood up and said, no. That's not okay for you to say. And she was very vocal about it. And I don't think people are as vocal about those things. They try Mm -hmm. to be quiet or be polite. And that's not always the the thing that you should do, especially Mm -hmm. with these doctors who think they're doing good, but they don't know they're doing bad because nobody's told them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Nobody's told them that that doesn't work. And they think everybody who's left their office. I've had hundreds of people who had a good outcome, but nobody told them they were doing bad because everybody stays quiet because we want to be polite. Mm-hmm. You know, I dealt with um, a heart issue for about seven years and I kept going to doctors telling them like, hey, my resting heart rate's like 120 resting heart rate. (laughs) And they're like, Oh, it's just anxiety. And they did an EKG, which I mean, an EKG is literally like a 10 second glimpse, not even 10 seconds, um, into what your heart is doing. So if if you're not having the heart condition at that moment, it's not going to show up. Um, and I, I, I can't tell you how many doctors told me I just had anxiety. Well, fast forward and I actually had AFib and it could, you know, if they'd have taken some time to listen to me. Um, and you know, I just was like, okay, you know, like, I don't feel like I have anxiety, but all right. You know, um, but I did, I kept trying to go to different doctors and, you know, looking back at the harm that could have been done, like I could have had a serious consequence from, from not mm-hmm. knowing I had AFib. Um, and, you know, thank goodness for technology, like my Apple watch now that can tell us what's going on. <laughs> um, technology is amazing. Um, but, you know, doctors just don't understand sometimes the harm they're doing and they're just so quickly to dismiss things. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I just took it for face value. I'm like, okay, I guess I have anxiety, <laughs> even though I didn't feel like I had anxiety. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a really tricky, and that's the whole point of this podcast is to help people understand, you know, that there are options and 
You absolutely have the right to fire your doctor or to question your doctor. Um, and like you said, second, well, third opinions is ten. okay. <laughs> You know, I mean, I literally probably saw like five doctors, um, about my Mm -hmm. rapid heart rate and, um, I just, I think it's just anxiety. Everything seems fine. Yeah. With the Lyme's disease, I, I, I was so lethargic at one point. I remember sitting on the couch and trying to lift my finger and going, this is an awful lot of work. I just had my hand in front of my head and I was just trying to lift it. And I was like, that's so much work. And I didn't understand that was a symptom. I had no idea that was a symptom. It's, it's this transformational process where you start to become aware of these things. And all of a sudden you're like, I can't believe that. And then you start yelling from the rooftops, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Telling everybody, you know, Hey, this is a thing. Do you know this was a thing? I mean, when I got diagnosed with the beef allergy, oh my goodness, when I was told by my doctor I'm allergic to beef, I was like, nah, that can't right? be. It seems a little out there. <laughs> <laughs> the only way I found out for sure, I had given it up, but I didn't really truly believe it. I went to a trip to Turkey. And when I was in Turkey, I decided I would try some stew. It was made from lamb, not beef. And at the time, I was only reacting to beef. Um, When I went and had that stew, I went into full anaphylaxis. Mm. The cook, the owner of the little kitchen, had told me there was no beef in it when I asked him. But when he saw me in full anaphylaxis, struggling to breathe, he told everybody it had a little beef. Beef is cheaper than lamb. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I mean, I felt for the guy. He was doing his thing. I bet you he'll never lie to a customer again. Mm. You know, <laughs> I was a waitress for half my life. And um, I worked at Chili's for many, many years. And in our training, we learned if someone tells you they have an allergy, you need to take it seriously. And we had an allergy button when we rang things in. Like, so you might put no tomato allergy, meaning they're allergic to the tomato. So that way the cook knows if I accidentally put that tomato on there, I can't just take it off. I need to start over fresh because like that cross contamination could kill someone essentially. Um, but you know, and then there's people who say they have an allergy just so you don't put something in their food. So it, you know, it gets abused, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really important to listen to people when they tell you they have allergies because anaphylaxis is no joke, especially if there's no EpiPen (laughs) available. Well, I have to tell you that poor guy was apologizing up and down. He got down on his knees and begged forgiveness. It was just heart-wrenching. But I have to say, it was that moment that I learned I did have an allergy to meat. (laughs) It confirmed (laughs) it for you. No question. I I didn't know I was being tested. It was completely blind. I thought it was fine and it wasn't. And the other thing was, is, is the, the other piece that uh, 
that happened with that is you walk away from that experience and going, wow. It was later after I learned more and more that I realized I was allergic to all animals with four legs. So what the allergy truly is, alpha-gal, is an allergy to the carbohydrate in mammalian meat, which means any animal with four legs. Huh. I'm learning something new here. (laughs) So So poultry would be okay? Mm-hmm. Poultry would be okay. Fish would be okay. But because I went undiagnosed for so long, I can't do poultry and I have a hard time with fish. So I've just gone completely vegan. I eat a whole food plant-based diet, no processed salt, sugar, or oil. I stay away from all those things. And I can't tell you how dramatically my world has shifted. It has been so wonderful up until this summer where I had some challenges because I live in Oregon and here uh, we've had some heat waves, 117 degree. It was 106 a little while ago. And right before that, my air conditioner decided to die. Of course. Of course. And so I needed to air out the house. The only thing was it was everybody was hot. They did not want to cook in their homes. They wanted to barbecue. Oh, I know where you're going with this. (laughs) So I'm okay. If you're cooking pre-cooked meat, it doesn't affect me so bad. But if you're cooking raw meat, I go into instant anaphylaxis. So my neighbors would be cooking their raw meat. It's 106 degrees out. I have no air conditioner. And if I open the doors, I'm going to go into anaphylaxis. This was a little torturous. I had several anaphylactic reactions during that time. I'm I'm recovering now from that. It made me remember what it was like because I hadn't had it for years. (laughs) But at the same time, it helped me because I have developed a lot of tools and techniques on how to deal with breathing issues how you deal when you're having these things. And I've helped, I don't know, hundreds of people um, with breathing issues and dealing with their breathing issues now. And it is amazing how the tools that you use when you have to use them for yourself and you're reminded of these things. Also, I'm reminded that I need an air conditioner in my home because if I live anywhere near other people who barbecue, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Right. It is a challenge, but I feel like it's been such a gift. This has truly been a gift because I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people. You have changed my life. Yeah. You have helped me become an amazing person. That moment when you shared your story, that's the moment my life changed. I love it. Cindy, this has been such an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with our listeners. I just know that your story is going to touch someone listening today. So thank you for sharing. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you and find out more about what you do, your website is myyogaspring.com. And I do have a clickable link in the show notes. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you have going on right now. What, what offerings you have? 
right now I'm doing a, a workshop. Um, it's a donation-based workshop for Breathing for Troubled Breathers. It's um, going to be coming up in a week. And it is an, a, a little snippet of how to help people who have trouble breathing. So you can start to learn techniques. And this is like the first steps. And you're really talking about people who have find themselves short of breath when they talk. Mm -hmm. If you find yourself, if somebody's starting to try to teach you a breathing exercise and they start counting and you find yourself panicking, those are the people I want to help. I want to help the truly troubled breathers, not the people who are um, learning how to breathe necessarily on just regular and they do pretty good. They can sing and they can do all these things. I want to help the people who are truly having trouble breathing. And this is what this workshop is designed for, these people who truly struggle. The um, other thing I do is I do nine yoga classes a week. I I teach. You're a busy lady. Uh, yes, I do. I am. I teach uh, chair yoga. I teach uh, a therapeutic yoga class that's called um yoga with Cindy, which is not a lot of downward dog, not a lot of heavy stuff on the wrists. Then I teach a vinyasa flow, which has a lot of downward dog in it. And I teach a restorative class once a week. I try to keep all of that together. And I have a, uh, I teach them live and then have recordings of all my classes available on my website in my yoga online yoga studio, which is an on-demand yoga studio. It's all donation based. Mm -hmm. Oh, wonderful. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's what I do. And I, I tell you, it gives me such passion to see how I touch people and how they touch me and we come together and practice together and see that evolution. Yeah. Coming together is such a great way to share a collective experience. It really is. And I feel like since I've gone online, you can reach so many more people who haven't been accessible before. And I truly feel that yoga should be experienced in your home and that you should learn how to do it in your space so that it can become part of your daily practice, even if you do not come to class. I love that. So true. So true. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for being here and for sharing. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you are listening to help others on their own wellness journey discover this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you in the next episode.